I'm Bryn. I'm Chris. And I'm Ellis. And this is PH Drunk. Drunk. Fucking bad. We're so bad at PH Drunk is our weekly ish podcast where we drink to excess and discuss classic works of literature. We are drinking wine this time because hashtag social distancing. So to try and get creative, we're pretending to drink in quotes bumpers of wine, which basically means we're toasting anything and everything with huge fucking glasses of wine. And when I say huge, I mean up to the brim. Absolutely. That's the only way to do a bumper. Uh, we're going to bump wine is what we're way. doing. Literally, bumper means bumping up against the edge. So yes. we're doing it right and tight, according to the dictionary. So much wine. Uh, in today's episode, yes. In today's episode, we're discussing The Castle of Otranto by Horace Walpole. Mm. The Castle of Otranto was published in 1764, and it's a capital C classic work of gothic literature. Right. It's not the first gothic, um, but it's, uh, it's acknowledged to be one of the foundational gothic texts. So we're going to count it. Yes. And it's short. And we've read it before. <laughs> it's only so. 115 pages, including the prefaces. So if you'd like to go and read it, this is a good time to press pause and pour a gigantic glass of wine and spend an afternoon reading it. Mm. The more wine you drink, the better Absolutely. It is. I'll say that my copy is only 106 pages. and I need your copy. Yeah, and the prefaces don't even start until page, like, 24. <laughs> yeah, 21. Okay. Okay. We already said we're drinking wine and we're drinking gigantic glasses called bumpers. Um, and we all have to drink what we have on hand uh, because we're staying home due to the global pandemic. Um, we don't have a totally made up cocktail. Thus, we're drinking the wine that we already have because we always have wine. Um, so we decided to come up with a totally made up drinking game instead. So every time we say the words, are you ready? Phallic, pure, or priest, we're all going to take a large drink, and we hope you'll, that you'll do the same, um, because we're obviously drinking to save humanity. So anytime you hear the three Ps, phallic, pure, or priest, we're going to toast on our end, and hope you do too. It's your civic Ready? fucking duty. It, it is. It really is. It is your civic fucking duty, and I think we need um, to take three big drinks, because we oh, said that. I already said them once. Those we're going to have to take three big drinks. Are you ready? I was trying to make my gulps audible, and that oh, was a bad yeah. idea. <laughs> I, confession, did not have any wine, so I'm instead drinking vodka. That sounds okay. dangerous. <laughs> so it's going to be a real party for Listen. Ellis over there. You you do what you got to do it during with orange time. Juice, so it's like um, vitamin C, fighting off Whew. all the sicknesses, sure. and also vodka. Which is sterile. I'm basically the safest of all of us right now. I'm not entirely sure that's true, but I believe you. Listen, I'm not that kind of doctor, okay? (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, we're not any kind of doctor. We're so close, though. We're getting there. (laughs) We're close enough, it counts. All right, Bryn. This is your jam. It's a good 18th century novel. It's a classic there's weird shit happening, and we know that you like the weird There's not shit. enough sex so, for it to be truly it, my jam, but but I'm on board. I'm ready. 
It's the one thing I'm I sure liked we about can this. Find <laughs> <laughs> there was like no sex. Fear not. I am sure that we can find some sex in there well, there's somewhere. Of sex. So much. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of. Foul. Oh no. Oh. <laughs> drink. Mm-hmm. We all just took so, a drink there. That's right. why there's a pause. Can... Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to cut the pause, but whatever. Um, no, we're drinking. <laughs> you know what's my favorite thing? My new favorite thing is that we uh, that I tell everybody what I am and I'm not going to cut <laughs> in the middle of our recording. And then don't do any of it. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> So, anyway, Bryn, will you give us a super fast, tiny plot summary, please? I mean, I'm going to try, but it's, I mean, for only having a handful of characters, it's actually fairly complicated. Um, It starts out, there's an old prophecy about a mysterious castle that we, all, everything happens in this castle and in some adjoining convents that are connected through a subterraneous passage. The the family that lives there has an old prophecy that says that they're going to be kicked out when the rightful owners... Uh, have the the quote is grown too large to inhabit their regular dwelling. Uh, one kid in this family that lives in the castle is crushed by a gigantic helmet in the beginning of the story. The other kid in the family is accidentally assassinated in the chapel at the end of the story. The dad in the family tries to marry his daughter's be- best friend and divorce his wife to make that happen. A young peasant shows up just in the nick of time and turns out to be a long-lost prince and the rightful inheritor of the weird old castle. And the same young peasant, long-lost prince, loved the daughter who was assassinated and murdered, but settles for her friend because he's so sad. Did I get all the highlights? I, I feel was... like we also have to include the fact that this friend was also the woman who was supposed to marry yes. the son. Yeah, it's only like nine people. <laughs> So the whole like book, lot, it's only like... Because there's like a lot of incestuous... In... <laughs> yeah, I mean, there really are only like... Oh, yeah, God, we should have picked incest as one of Probably. our words. We should have been so I would drunk. I say incest or priest, because I feel like I'm going to say incest a lot more. But also, I did say priest twice. You've just said priest, so now we have to drink. Two times. Two times. All right. Times. Cheers, dear readers. Cheers to incestuous priests. Um... Jesus. <laughs> okay. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm drinking vodka for Christ's sake. Listen, listen, I've become chaotic neutral. I don't know. I think we're verging on chaotic people here. I'm literally having to make another drink right now because y'all, we fucking (laughs) That was a beautiful, super fast, tiny plot summary, Bryn. I loved it super hard. So should we get into our segment number two? As long as the term themes can be somewhat flexible. If you haven't noticed about our podcast, dear readers, everything here is super flexible. Except for our hips and legs, because we're over 30 now. But definitely our Um, sexuality. So. Cheers to that. Cheers. Does that count? Absolutely. Cheers to that. Fluidity is the name of the game. Drinking this fluidity down. (laughs) My hips are real tight, though. (laughs) Themes for days. Oh, Chris. No, that's me. (laughs) Ellis, will you give us the theme song? Themes on themes on themes. Yay. 
I love it. It's so wonderful. Beautiful. It was like Mozart. Can our first theme be the prefaces? Do it, girl. Tell you tell us about that preface. You the preface about it. The preface mm, is it preface yeah, or preface? preface? Let's take a poll. It's preface. It's preface. It's preface. <laughs> Definitely preface. <laughs> so so. So come on with your I, It's obviously preface, but I have to admit that I kind of really like hearing the word preface said in public. Let's talk about them. Okay, again. in the first preface. <laughs> Let's talk about them. Um, I will kill you here where I okay, stand. Okay, fine. In the first preface, my favorite thing is that, who's he what's, Walpole, <clears throat> says that this is a found text. He doesn't even, like... There's no, like, preface to say, like, this is fine. Don't worry about it. It's just a story. Don't stay up late reading it, you know. Um, He says, this is a found text, and I found it somewhere, and I translated it from the Italian. And he quotes a bunch of, like, Italian (laughs) and prophecies. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome for that piece of information there that I know you wanted. The moral and prophecy Mm -hmm. is that the sins of the father are visited on their children to the third and fourth generation. And then he says, I mean, like, if there's something wrong with it, don't blame me. Blame the original Italian. It's not, it's not me. I just like edited and translated it. So diminish my own work. And then apparently he put out a preface to the second edition and he used this to like theorize Gothic romance. And he says on page it's well, it's on page nine of my Oxford World's Classics edition. But this is like I have the old ass because I'm cheap. Well, this is kind of an old copy. I don't know. It's on page nine in my edition. It's it's the second paragraph of the preface's second edition. Mm-hmm. It was an attempt he says it was an attempt to blend the two kinds of romance. There are only mm-hmm. two kinds apparently, I don't know. The ancient and the modern. In the former, the ancient, all was imagination and improbability. In the latter, the modern, nature is always intended to be, and sometimes has been, copied with success. So he's talking like about a supernatural versus a realist romance, which is interesting. And apparently those are blended in the Gothic. In this second preface, um, that he's trying to see what happens to non-paranormal people when they have to confront paranormal Gothic occurrences which is really strange. And then he then he starts quoting like Voltaire and Shakespeare and there's like a lot of French that he doesn't translate for you. So like good fucking luck. That's I mean, super uh... fun. Um you know it's it's such a dude move to say that there apparently are only, only ancient and modern. It's and the ancient is impossible move. and the modern it's is realist. A, it's also a dude move to be like, I just found this if you hate it, don't blame me and then be like, Oh you guys really liked it? Listen. Never mind. I did all of it myself. It's true. Like, it's true. Because it's literally what he did. As hashtag queer women, I can assure you that there are more than two types. Oh of no. <laughs> We are, can we say pan romance? We're about all the different. (laughs) We're pan romantic and we appreciate all forms of. And whatever. Yes. Ancient and modern. Whatever exterior you bring to the table, (laughs) we're probably going to enjoy it. Improbable (laughs) and realist, you know, both kinds. Listen, you got a romance, we'll probably take it. I'm just saying. Like, he's claiming that these people are not abnormal like they're not impossible they're not improbable is that they're like regular non-paranormal non-weird people 
who are reacting to weird paranormal things. And I got to tell you, I don't think any of these characters are like, I don't know, whatever normal is, but they're mm-hmm. not. I will disagree with you there. Who's regular? I have met these Well, people. Manfred. Manfred is Donald Manfred J. is regular as fuck. Wait, we're saving that for the character analysis, though. Manfred is toxic masculinity embodied, and from my personal experience, there's a hell of a lot of that walking around on two legs. Listen, have I met a Hippolyta in my life? Yes. Is she related to me? Yes. Are there multiple of her? Yes. Are there people who think they're Matilda, but no one's actually Matilda, but they think they're Matilda, and they're actually I mean, Matilda is more focused on those qualities. Because it's, like, a short text and, like, with everything happening, like, it's really focused on those negative qualities of those characters. But those exist. And you don't... I guess, like, the only thing sort of unrealistic about it is that you don't see any other sides of them except that. That's really brilliant, Ellis, because these characters, Hippolyta, Manfred, Matilda, Isabella, Theodore... They're, and we'll get into them more, I realize, dear readers, that we haven't even explained who the fuck these people are. Um, but they, we only see sort of, like, their heightened qualities, which are recognizable. But the people that we know in our lives who, in, like, who inhabit these qualities have other things to them. But isn't it, like, so true that when... Like, when we think about them and when we remember them and when we think about our relationships with them, it's actually those, like, over-the-top gothic romance-level qualities that first come to mind. Okay, fine, I think probably, it's, I yeah. think it's because, like, the thing, yeah. That, yeah, the thing that stands out is the thing that keeps you from... Okay, this is going to sound bad, but, like, this is my public safe space to say it. My my very public safe space. Um, That's, like, the thing that keeps you from being... Trademark that if anybody uses very public spaces. This podcast is not sponsored by very public safe spaces, but it is one. So if other very public safe spaces would like to sponsor us for the low, low price of an entire bumper of wine, be amenable. Super public safe space should be on a t-shirt. Okay, we're going to put it on a t-shirt starting tomorrow. I'm on it. I'm on it. Okay, so anyway. I, I would wear a shirt My, my confession for our super public safe space is I think the reason that, as Chris said, we associate these like big negative gothic qualities with the people that we love, even though that's not like all there is to them is that that's the thing that keeps us from being able to fully, like, admire them as people. Like, you want to because you see good qualities in them, but it's, like, you can't not see that, and so you can't fully be, like, mm. into it. Right? Even though you love you, them. It's, like, their armor. It's, like, their armor yeah. in a way. Like, it's what separates us from them. Or maybe our and, armor is uh, what separates us from that because we... We can't listen. We could go. Wait, fuck, man, who knew we got like this? Y'all are taking this way too seriously because Theodore actually puts on armor. And honestly, I just wondered about the giant penises. Can we talk about the giant penises? I mean, we can. Absolutely. Y'all don't seem very enthusiastic about talking about that. I was thinking about how Theodore puts on armor and he's like the only one who isn't problematic. Uh, Well, all right. 
I still hate him. A fair. No. Okay. Like I'm gonna. <laughs> Don't worry. I got enough hate to go around. I think. I think part uh, of what we're saying is that these people are not so unusual as we want to think they are, or as I want to right. think they are, and that perhaps we can appreciate Walpole's theorizing of of everyday types of people that you might find in the wild um, interacting with paranormal weird events. And I got to say, some of these events are super weird. They are super weird, but I think you're completely right. I think you're completely right, Bryn, because these people react to these supernatural events in ways that we want to pretend are like silly or unrealistic when we look at them with like clear open eyes produced by alcohol (laughs) um, what we realize is that regular people regular everyday people react to real actual world events in super bad very bad shit although although in fairness to walpole or maybe not in fairness to walpole like this, Do we have to be fair to No, him? this shit opens with a giant <laughs> helmet. It opens with the daughter and the son. They're Matilda and Conrad. And, like, what the fuck kind of name is Conrad? But Matilda is 18. Conrad's fucking 15. How it says it in the beginning of the book. 18. How do we know that? <laughs> it's the it's first Conrad sentence. Um, Matilda, a most beautiful virgin, aged 18, yeah. was called Matilda. Oh, okay. Well, I I close read about as much of the excellent. I, um, I do close read about as much of their undergrads. <laughs> Conrad, <laughs> y'all. Conrad's gonna get married on his sixteenth birthday. Yeah, I know. But he's not it's super. Disgusting. But he's not Gross. super healthy. No, he's like a so sickly they're child. Marry, they're trying to they're trying to get him married real quick so they can unite some family. But he's still a child, you guys. Dies. They're gonna marry him off at sixteen. Bitch, that's the shit that they did back then, because it's set in, like, the Middle Ages. I mean, to be fair, my granny got married when she was 16. I mean, fair. I guess. Yes, she did. Although I that is new information that we're all stumbling upon yeah, right at the second. She's Okay, to be fair, she was, like, 98 a few years ago when she died. So, like, it was way, way back in the day. But, yeah, she was 16. Okay, so, um, Conrad is getting married to... On his 16th birthday, a gigantic helmet descends from nowhere, (laughs) and it crushes the fuck out of Conrad. The book says he's dashed to pieces. (laughs) That's literally, like, in the first, like, page and a half. So that's what we're working with here, people. Um, 16-year-old Conrad gets dashed to pieces by a giant piece of fucking armor, and everyone everyone loses their shit. I mean, if sixteen year old got dashed to pieces, this... is what the text says by a gigantic ass helmet that's improbable. So they see Manfred, the worst human in this situation, sees. They call him a young peasant. Manfred sees this young peasant, decides mm. that it must be his fault, interrogates him, and the young peasant says, "Hey." Doesn't the helmet, though, look like the statue, like, a hundred yards over there in front of the chapel? And so, like, a couple people go running over there, and they're like, you know what? The helmet from the statue is actually missing. So they accuse him of witchcraft, and Manfred <laughs> Manfred imprisons him under the helmet. 
with the dash to pieces Conrad, who's never mentioned again, by the way. Like, they don't talk about his burial. They don't talk about, like, extricating him from under the helmet. None of that's included. None of it. Oh, my God, you're so <laughs> He's right. He's dead, that's it. They're like, <laughs> Conrad is, like, by ghost. Can we talk about helmets for a little bit? Like, just, like, a brief What do we need to know about helmets? Of helmets? Like, a, well, where where do helmets go? On, on the head of things? Could you say, perhaps, that the giant, giant helmet with plumes might be a capital P. Oh, no. Now we have to cheers. Everybody drink. Object. Cheers. I think the plumes are really like the phallic piece of imagery, but cheers again. But the helmet itself mm. is like this overwhelming masculinity. It reaches like a comic head. It descends <laughs> on the least like masculine that. person. Really in the whole thing. Are you are you suggesting that Conrad is less I masculine am. than I think I am. Matilda? I, don't, I did not intend to end up here, but I, I, like I think I am I like suggesting it. it. I, you know what? I think I'm I really into Wait, it. Wait, okay. So then this, but this gigantic object um, thing carries through the whole story. Anytime you see a gigantic object, it was supposed to happen. It's fate. It's definitely. Or the prophecy. I guess I just did the prophecy. It's definitely fate. It's definitely, it's definitely fate. It's definitely important. And it's definitely a stand-in for a penis. Yes. Because that's what. I guess Horace Walpole. I'm not sure I'm ready to theorize what Walpole thinks about penises, but I I do know that we see oversized armor anytime we're supposed to be paying attention. One of my favorites. One of my as I say, one of my favorites is the giant sword. Let's give you a slightly detailed plot summary because we feel like maybe. If you haven't read this book, we're talking about giant helmets and we're talking about giant swords and we're talking about all this giant shit and penises and whatever. And you don't have any fucking clue what we're talking about. So break down here. There's this castle of a Toronto and a principality and Manfred is the prince and he has like this claim to this throne and it's bullshit because he's his great grandfather stole it we don't know that at the beginning though uh no no yeah we don't know that at the beginning though but whatever i'm just giving you the spoilers hashtags spoiler whatever and i forgot what the fuck i was saying (laughs) conrad is going to get married to isabella but he's killed on his wedding day when he's 16 by the giant helmet right so man right 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 Sure, sure, sure. So, so like, Manfred stole this this castle, and he is trying to marry his son off. His son's name is Conrad, and he's trying to marry Conrad off to Isabella, who is, like, a descendant of the people who actually should be in charge of this principality. But then Conrad dies because this fucking giant helmet falls out of the sky onto his fucking head. So that's what yes. happens. And like, then Manfred the gets pissed. Here. He goes upstairs to his chambers. He paces around for, like, hours. 
calls Isabella in, not his wife, to mourn his dead child. Mm-hmm. Calls Isabella Hippolyta. Hippolyta. Oh, yeah. What's his wife's She's name? What's his wife's name? And his wife's name? he calls Isabella in and says, you know what? I promised you a husband. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to get divorced from my wife, Hippolyta, even though we got a dispensation because we're like cousins or some shit. But I'm going to mm, fourth degree related, though. Fourth cousins. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But it's cousins that? of some know. sort. They weren't know. supposed to get married. Suddenly, sudden, suddenly, he all of a sudden cares that he married his cousin. And so now he's like, and she can't give me any more kids. So let's us get married and you can give me more kids and then I'll keep this place. As name. soon as he decides to do that, thank you, Ellis, for getting us back on track. As soon as he decides to do that, who shows up but a mysterious knight? This knight walks in. Are you ready? First, on page 64, first came two mm-hmm. harbingers with wands. Wands, like magic wands. Uh, next, a herald, followed by two pages and two trumpets. Then mm-hmm. a hundred foot guards. These were attended by as many horse, a hundred horses. After them, mm. 50 footmen clothed in scarlet and black, the colors of the night. Then let a led horse, got to have a horse just, you know, walking. Two heralds on each side of a gentleman on horseback bearing mm. a banner with the arms of Vicenza and Otranto quarterly. A circumstance that much offended Manfred, but he stifled his resentment. Two more pages. The knight's confessor telling his beads. 50 more footmen clad as before, presumably in the scarlet and black. Two knights habited in complete armor, their beavers down. I don't know what a beaver is necessarily, but here we are. Comrades to the principal knight. The squires of the two knights. Oh, look I at you. guesses <laughs> about the beaver. The squires of the two knights carrying their shields and devices. The knight's <laughs> own squire. And then, are you ready? A hundred gentlemen bearing an enormous yes. sword. And seeming to faint under the weight of it. I'd like to have an enormous sword. <laughs> this dude, faint under who the turns out later to be Isabella's father, this dude has approximately 250 people and like 200 horses with him. Everybody's in matching colors and armor. And a hundred of those people are carrying a giant sword that they dug up from the ground. Because an old monk dude in a cave told them to. A hundred percent. A sword you dug up because an old monk in a cave told you that it was under the seventh tree. And then they needed a hundred dudes. I'm pretty sure there's an X-Files episode about this. (laughs) I mean, I've never met a sword that needed a hundred people to carry it. But I'd like to. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 outrageous. Like a hundred men have to carry like this gigantic penis sword because obviously any sword is phallic imagery. Hey, cheers. So to just like bring a little bit of closure, if you will, I don't know if you have to have a hundred dudes carrying your penis encounter whatever i don't know fuck it i just <laughs> anyway so in the oh in, to like <laughs> to finish off uh-huh. themes for days uh in in the prefaces 
we are led to believe in true 18th century fashion that this is some sort of real scare quotes around that real um, text. And in second mm-hmm, game, essentially, yeah. which is penises, we have a lot of like, we have a dude, that dude being Horace Walpole, writing about with big plumes. You gotta have helmets. ostentatious plumes that wave with off like really they move in the wind they bow over the top plumes and then swords and armors and hands and feet and you know what they say about men with big feet so really what we've got is a man maybe he wears swapple i mean he's certainly not writing about big penises for no reason Uh, yeah so there's maybe not a lot of thematic depth (laughs) here Chris said it. But what we have is, what we have here is, there are many giant phallic objects. It's actually found in the book. I swear to God, it's true. Actually found in the, mm-hmm. also we said phallic again, so everybody's doing, mm-hmm. well. And I think we said it like five times, so finish You should bump that wine. Time for segment three, character analysis, All right. but make it hashtag fashion. Yes. I think that y'all want to talk about Hippolyta. Can we start with her? Oh my god, she's the fucking worst. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. What about oh, Hippolyta is the worst? Okay, is she so the worst this or bitch. Is for the rest? Oh my god. Right? Everyone, everyone just put the, like face palms. So Hippolyta is ridiculously loyal to Manfred, even though he treats her like shit. And so when he basically is trying to get with Isabella, which was his ward and daughter-in-law, and is the friend of his daughter, like, way too young for him, and also he's married. He decides, like, well, I'll just convince Hippolyta to divorce me and go to the convent because, like, he'll understand and all of this, and it's bullshit anyway. So, long story short, even when Hippolyta finds out that he, that Manfred was, like, trying to, like, get with Isabella he makes it pretty explicit he wants to sleep with her that night uh and once she realizes like this was his plan is to like divorce her cast her aside and get with this young this new young woman who does not want to be with him so have we talked about the term rape anyway uh so he even when she's faced with all of that can't accept it and still makes fucking excuses for him then she is like okay I'll agree to do this like I, sorry what? yeah she volunteers to go to the nearby volunteers convent to go to the convent to like so she can give him his divorce doesn't seem to fucking mind that he and part of this deal with isabella's father later on that he's gonna marry isabella in exchange he's gonna let isabella's father marry his daughter matilda there never mind that these young women are just like fucking pawns uh, like just like pieces of property being traded never mind that one of those pieces of property being traded is her daughter never mind that she's giving up her life and being forced into a convent still defends this man still tells these young women that they need to like accept what their father's tell them to do and not pray about it but accept it because like apparently their fathers are like their god like this bitch is fucking all the fathers all the fathers want to marry all the daughters but like but like but can you fucking tell the man that's the problem that like in the end things end 
like questionably okay i don't know uh no they don't fucking end okay and hippolyta is a fucking piece of shit wait 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 would you say that hippolyta falls on her sword no, she doesn't fall on no sword. She falls into a goddamn comet. No, I would does. not say because she doesn't <laughs> she fucking no fall sword. Man, have a moment, please okay. do. Can I have like a moment? Can I have a moment? The thing about this book that just like irks me so badly is Hippolyta and Matilda because plus cast blame where blame is due, where they're both like literally saying to other people in this book i can't hear you say bad things about my father slash husband slash whatever like i can't listen to you say bad things about manfred because that makes me a bad person and i say to all of that fuck you you complicit blind piece of shit you are playing into the system no, there is no amount of duty or brainwashing or whatever that makes it acceptable for you to say, like, I need to only hear good things about this person. A human being has a choice at the end of the day, and that choice can be fraught, and that choice can be difficult, and that choice can be something that is nearly impossible to judge for other human beings but you should at least i don't know i feel like we should be fair to matilda no fuck matilda (laughs) matilda (laughs) she goes and she's like theodore i love you but uh, apparently i'm supposed to marry frederick and then her own father stabs her yeah so what are we what's what fuck matilda she tried to do the thing. Matilda, she tried to do the thing that eighteenth-century no, novels tell you that fine. you're supposed to do. She tried to honor her father. She tried to marry, sort of for love, mostly because she's supposed That's to. That's right. No, honoring your father is mm-hmm. a bullshit piece of fucking advice, and you need to be true to what is right and wrong, regardless mm-hmm. of who the fuck your father is. Yeah, but in these and that's and like but in these 18th century novels, usually that DT. gets rewarded, which is what makes this so like this it stabbing yeah, ending get for her. Anyway, I'm just saying I don't feel sorry. For yeah, her. well, I don't know. Oh, I don't know about 18th century novels. I do. I don't feel sorry for her either because if she had I just do, run off with Theodore, they would all. It's fair to maybe talk about issues of abuse because it's very clear that everyone is afraid of Manfred so I think one could now look back and we could argue that Mm. this was definitely a situation where he was an abuser and people were acting the way they act because they're suffering the symptoms of someone who's been Mm. abused I see that however what upsets me is that these characters were written by a man and in the end they're still punished and so it's like, it's not like a, look mm-hmm. how you can escape it, here's some hope. It's like, just fucking blindly follow the, like, commands of this man, no matter what happens, the end. And I can't. Yeah, especially, especially considering the prefaces, with the prefaces being like, on the one hand, like, this is a true story, and two, like, there's nothing in here that you should morally, morally object to. And so, like, from the prefaces, like, the way that the, the 
story is presented to you is like actually morally all of the things it's like morally straight like the things that happen in this book are okay by moral standards and what happens in the book is actually they have women's inner consciousness telling them this is right and this is wrong against patriarchal uh, standards that say like you must always submit to your husband father brother whatever male authority figure is like that is your only and highest good like that's the only thing that you can do right is to submit that's and you constantly consistently have these women who submit to that and then die or become a nun or marry someone who does them like none of the women get fucking happy endings but it's supposed to be a fucking happy ending because all the dudes essentially get what they want yeah i mean that's what i was trying to say though is that like in the 18th century novel terms all these women who follow what they're supposed to be doing as dictated by the male authority in their lives are supposed to scare quotes around that supposed to get happy endings Haha, <laughs> happy endings. But they mm-hmm. don't, mm-hmm. right? It's because the the men in their lives are terrible. Surprisingly, this one's written by a man. And honestly, can we talk about Manfred a little? Because if you forgot he was a man, the word man is literally the, in his name. I feel yeah. like we can also we can also talk about Manfred, but I'm what I'm saying is that Horse Walpole is complicit. I do not excuse Horse Walpole because I think he is absolutely trying to convince us that this book is okay because Hippolyta's like, I'll do whatever my husband says. And um, uh, Isabella's like, I'll do whatever my father says. And Matilda's like, I'll do whatever my mother says. And it's like, where is the fucking woman who is going to do what (laughs) I say? (laughs) Like, not I, me, Chris, but I, the woman of the story. Like, that's what bothers me. There is no there is no woman's eye in this book. And that is I mean Isabella tries. Fury. She runs away and uses trap door. Where? And then Matilda's one attempt. No, because yeah, she and then, does and that then her, dad her dad shows up. up and then her dad Frederick shows up and then she's like her dad if you remember like, the reason that Matilda about after she's in the cave. The reason Isabella oh, ran in the first place. The reason oh, Isabella oh, ran in daddy. the first place is because she knew that Manfred wanted to marry her and she couldn't <laughs> she didn't want to marry him, yes, but also because she needed her father's permission before she could marry someone and this dude was ready to marry on Raper that night, so she needed to get the fuck up out of there. It was still about following the commands of her father. Good point. And then the second her father shows up, she's gonna do whatever the fuck he tells her. Like I, I, I'm finding, I'm finding it really difficult. Okay, but like what I'm saying is like I don't know if Horace Walpole put something in there that I'm like specifically responding to, or if I'm just being an incredibly resistant reader. But to me, there is very, very little in this book to suggest a sympathetic reading. Where I would suggest that Hippolyta and Matilda and Isabella are the victims of the patriarchy rather than the, like, representations of 
what you need to do in order to like fulfill the promises of the patriarchy. Like I am, I'm having like I'm usually so fucking good at a resistant reading, and I'm having a really okay. fucking hard time. Right Let's now. say we all fucking hate Hippolyta. Most of the women in the stock. It was written poorly mm-hmm. by Waffle. I do. I think she's a drip. I don't hate her. I just I don't like her. I don't want it to be her. <laughs> I don't want her to raise my children. Like I don't like her at all. I don't. I think but she's I terrible. Understand okay, but we're all entitled her. to our own opinions. I can understand being so beaten down by the system that you think that the yeah, only way to win the game. the game is to play the game. And she yes, gave that's up. bullshit. Please yeah. talk about Manfred. His name. His his gender. All right, let's gender is literally in his name. In case you forget how masculine he is after the helmet crushes his sickly son, his name is Manfred. And he's the worst. I mean, but like, what is it's that? such an interesting picture of masculinity. Capital W, capital O, capital R, capital S, capital T, <laughs> I mean, worst. we don't think he's this, he is objectively the fucking worst. He's manipulative, he is greedy, he is um, a liar, he is he a is sexual assailant, like, Trump. I can't <gasps> even think. What? I said oh, what I said. She did it, she brought it home. This man literally wrote the book that Donald J. Trump then read and then repackaged as his own book called The Art of the Deal. He's the fucking worst. He cares about no one but himself. He doesn't even care about his own wife or his children at all. Even the Conrad who is supposed to be like his favorite. But then when he dies is like, never mind, let me marry your young uh, fiance because I need to bone someone and make more babies. Obviously. He's the fucking worst. He never really learns his lesson, even though whatever that like bullshit scene where he's like, my bad at the end. He doesn't really learn. He doesn't die. That's what should happen. He didn't die. So no, he should have been stabbed in the convent. So is there anything else? Because I feel like we covered a lot of man for being so terrible much. when we were in Hippolyta because it like all goes together. Is there anything we missed about him being the worst? Like, I don't like. Yes. Um, so fucking much, actually. Can we talk about Manfred and Frederick for a second? Is there any specific moment about Manfred and Frederick? Wait, wait. Okay. Frederick is the long lost... His name is Manfred, and then there's Frederick, and they're like... That is weird. I had not thought of that. Like, is he supposed to be the manlier version of Frederick? And he shows up in a suit of armor first, pretending to be a knight. And then it turns out he's the Count of Vicenza. Isabella is Isabella of Vicenza. He goes and finds her in the caves. Theodore defends Isabella with his honor and his sword. Hint, hint. (laughs) Theodore accidentally stabs Frederick like three times. Three times. Everything in this book happens in threes. I don't know if we've talked about that yet. The entire novella, novel, novella, takes place over three days, by the way. Um, the first day someone's crushed with a helmet. Uh, the second day there's like a stabbing and some caves and a giant sword and a giant hand. Uh, the first day was a giant foot also in addition to the giant helmet. And the third day there's like, I don't know, there's like a convent and a stabbing. And, and then a little while later after Theodore gets over his sadness, then he marries Isabella. 
but most and of also the like actions, a smack like it's just like a scattering of forced marriages and potential rapes just uh, yeah. sprinkled in for so many action, so many potential rapes mostly manfred's doing mostly so frederick shows up and it turns out he's going to be rescued but first he talks to isabella like he's dying but then he ends up getting carried back to manfred's castle that's not actually manfred's castle and he recovers and then frederick and manfred are like are you better now mostly let's have a duel except they don't have a duel frederick falls in love with matilda so both Frederick and Theodore love Matilda, but then both Matilda and Isabella love Theodore. So I think we need to get to find a say... before this goes very far away from All right. Alice, you start. Help the us out. The sentiment is accurate. Chris, all of the men who are old and creepy are disgusting as fuck and they should die in jail. Are and disgusting? That's it. So what do you give it though? What final grade do you give it? Um, yes, it <laughs> did. Yes, it did. Entire podcast made any fucking <laughs> sense. I think Alice is right. I think we should I do never... segment five. Final grades. Apparently, I'm supposed to go first um, since it was my choice for the podcast. I think that I would give this book like a solid B. <laughs> Alice is outraged. I. It's got some I interesting spit stuff. All over my map. <laughs> I feel like lots of times students can really like bond over hating this book, and I feel like I've really bonded over hating this book. I really appreciate like its foundational gothic ness, uh, and it helps me appreciate Northanger Abbey. So I'm going to give it a solid B. Oh no. <laughs> This is the best. And the Eagles. Yes. <laughs> Who's next? I think it's Alice. Okay. Um, okay. So I actually put in our final grades before we record. And this time around, I was like, I'm going to wait. Every time I do that, the conversation we have makes me raise the grade. So because like it, it's so great. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to wait because just because I want to give it a bad grade now doesn't mean I'm going to want to give it a bad grade after we talk about it. Uh, turns out I'm giving it an even fucking lower grade. After oh, no. Because I'm even more out the fuck rage. Okay. Cannot stress this enough. The worst is Manfred. The women are fucking terrible. And I could, it would be redeemable if at the end there were some nugget of something to say like, hey, women, don't be like this. But there's not. There is. So, the prophecy mm, is not. The sins yeah. of the parents are visited on the children to the third yeah. and fourth degree. Okay, listen. The sins of my father <laughs> ain't coming back for me, bitch. And I listen. You none, can your own none of that shit. I'm done with this bullshit. None of that shit. I give it. Feminist. Listen. Here's what I give it. I'm gonna give it a solid D. And here's why I give it a D. What I said? What I fucking said. Here's why I give it a D. The only thing is that makes it D worthy. It's short. There's some supernatural shit, and I know I could have some in depth conversation with students about it. Like, right. we could all unite on hating it. That's all that redeems it and gets it a D. Everything else about it, it just makes me angry <laughs> as fuck. I think it's just fucking out. I'm just, I'm just outraged. I so know. That's D. why I ended up with a B. Because yeah, we're all well, outraged. No, I love a good outrage. I can't see past this 
the, the I can't see past this like message about women. So. There's a skeleton praying in a chapel. Um, I mean, there are women who are used as property. So, it's but, but that's in all the 18th century, and though. that's why I don't read 18th century literature books. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, your turn. Give it a grade. I was gonna get a B minus, but honestly, I'm so pissed off right now. C minus. Because this book is bullshit, and everything about it is bullshit, and every message that it tries to send is bullshit, and all of the characters in it are bullshit, but you know what? I mean, we are all bonding about our anger over the book, so... <laughs> so, C minus. <laughs> On that note, there's that. Uh, thank you to all of you who are listening and drinking with us today. I'm sorry we didn't uh, cheer us more to... Wait, here are our words. Phallic pure and priest so mm. now you will have to drink three times you can find us on twitter and instagram at phdrunk podcast you can also go over to our patreon page www.patreon.com slash phdrunk podcast you can buy us a drink so we can keep drowning our hashtag existential despair thanks as always to anchor for helping us make this podcast a thing even though we're clearly technologically challenged you can join us next week. We're going to talk about some new books. I think we have Lady Oddly's Secret up next for us. Uh, we're really excited to talk oh, about that so one. So excited. So excited. We're so pumped. There's at least nine years of longing. For so that many one. longings. So many So deaths. many longings. My body So is that's it ready. for us, gentles. Are you ready? Yes. Books down. Books down. Bottoms, Bottoms up. up. One, two, three, go. Cheers, dear readers. I'm Bryn. And I'm Alice. And this this is is PH Drunk. Drunk. Obviously, we've had a lot to drink. Um, PH Drunk is our (laughs) fortnightly-ish. I think that's what we're calling it now. Our fortnightly-ish podcast where we drink to excess and discuss classic works of literature. In this case, um, not that. Um, you may have noticed... <laughs> <laughs> you may have noticed, I hope you did, um, we certainly have, that uh, yes. Chris isn't with us today. She's so on sabbatical. Um, she's on sabbatical. That's our fancy term for not here tonight. And um, <laughs> she thought we should carry on without her this time. Which was um, a bad decision because I mean, we yes. should not be left Honestly. unsupervised. Yes. Uh, we have <laughs> discovered that Ellis and I really need a supervisor when we start drinking. So anyway. It's been nearly um, two hours and all we've accomplished is getting drunk. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, that is like a good goal. I so, mean, that's like half the point. <laughs> um, Chris had actually picked our next book. Which was supposed to be Mary Barton by Elizabeth Gaskell. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. I'm I'm a little bit I'm I'm a little bit happy to have some extra time to read Mary Barton or to listen to Mary Barton because I mean same. that shit is not light. No. It opens with a death, which is kind of fun, but there's like a can lot we, more death. So. Can we be real? The only parts we've made it through are the death parts. <laughs> And I keep thinking, like, there has to be something other besides somebody dying. There is. There's a fun murder. There's a fun murder in the middle. I'm into murder, but I haven't even made it to that yet. I haven't either. I keep waiting, and I 
ain't happened yet. And I'm just saying maybe this is not the time. <laughs> yeah. So I can only handle um, so much of this shit. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of not the time, yes. um, we're recording this in early June. Um, and yes. we we know that there is a lot happening in the world. We also know that other podcasts have canceled their episodes for last week. They didn't cancel this week, but last mm-hmm. week. Um, there's a lot happening. We, we would like yeah. to say from the, the world podcast, is on fire. It is a dumpster yes. fire. Shit. It's a dumpster fire. Yes. It's like a, like a rolling dumpster fire. It's like a dumpster fire that increases. It's like if you sat shit on velocity. fire. Literally actual shit on fire inside of a yeah. dumpster and then shoved it down a hill. In yeah. San roll it down a hill. Just roll it. Um, <laughs> so I, just to be like clear about our personal positions, yes. um, we are in support of the Black Lives Matter movement and protests. Um, we are ecstatic that the FBI is going to reinvestigate um, the the death and, I mean, I would call it a murder of Breonna Taylor. No, it's absolutely her home. a motherfucking murder. There is no way around They just that. haven't convicted. That's the only way I haven't said it um listen and, you're innocent until proven guilty unless you're a white fucking police officer who murdered a black woman and then you're yeah, fucking guilty as guilty, guilty yeah. as guilty that's yes. it End um story. we also we also would like for everyone to stay safe in the time of coronavirus and COVID-19 yes. and apparently now like an Ebola outbreak in the Democrat Democratic Jesus Mary and Joseph and there are like more to the fucking yes, shit you're true. welcome um, there are also like mini earthquakes at Yellowstone and they're thinking that it might almost be time for an eruption of that volcano, whatever the volcano that's over there. Anyway, we know it's a shit show. We want all the good things. Please believe we, us. Also, um, we are donating and we, with our yes, yeah. no money that we make and also we hope yes. you are donating and there are uh, causes that we've shared on our social media platforms that we think mm-hmm. are very important. And so if you have time, you can look at our stories and on our, I think in our photos, maybe, I don't know. I don't use all the social medias. But... Uh, so far, just our stories, but I'm assuming this episode makes it out there. And um, Chris doesn't, doesn't veto it. Though. You guys are too drunk. Stop it. Um, then, yes, we will definitely make sure that we put it in our actual feed and, yes. um, we would love also more support for some of those um, like localized groups for national causes. Yes. Um, if, you one, note, though, if you were one of the people that was thinking about donating to our Patreon page or to us, we ask that, you know, for now, just put that money toward one of these really important causes mm-hmm. for Black Lives yeah. Matter and changing the shit show that is our country right now. Yeah, we have one more year of funding on our PC program, and then we will stop being so good-hearted. Um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're actually nice people. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So, um, but in light of all this, we thought that maybe Gasco was like, like a like a bit much. It's like a lot. Um, it's a lot. It's a, like a lot. Like class struggle is a little too real. Yeah. Um, so um, it's all about that, that man keeping everybody down <laughs> and murder and um, death. So. so much. So we thought we might push uh, Mary Barton for one episode. Yes. Um, and we're going to focus on some escapism. So yes. if you're not into escapism, this is not the episode for you. If you need a break from everything that's happening, 
then um, please uh, pull up a drink and uh, <laughs> find a chair. <laughs> Yes, I mean it. I mean it. I meant it the way I said it. I'm putting that shit on a (laughs) t-shirt. Find a chair and and join us to talk about pure escapism. We are not tackling anything. I mean, it's. I guess we're going to tackle a little bit of stuff, but not a little bit. A little bit, but not crazy. No, it's white rich people problems. That's what we're tackling. Yeah, white rich people problems. So not really. Not fucking not, really. Not really. Um, and we're also not tackling a book. Um, we're gonna go full escapism. Um, we're not discussing the book version, but we're going to discuss three adaptations of Jane Austen's Emma. Um, I mean, like, if you want to read the book, please do. It's um a delight of a book. I really like it. Um, Ellis apparently does not. No, I but, love it, but um, I'm just saying, like. not like if you want to read the book like read the fucking book man read the book it's so good (laughs) it is good yeah but we thought we'd yeah we thought we'd go with like just just like watch some movies so um we're gonna talk about um clueless which is an adaptation of emma and the the gwyneth paltrow version of emma which was just one year after clueless and then also, we thought we might throw in, because it's so fucking fun, the 2020 version of Emma. Yes. So, that's, that's, that's what we have on the docket for today, as they say. Yes, so buckle up. Uh, <laughs> that's it. Buckle the fuck up. Okay. All right. Buckle All right. the fuck up. <laughs> Segment one. Authority. Tea. Oh, look at that tea. T-E-A. It's not that scalding today, but okay. Yeah, well, okay. It's probably so, better that way yeah, anyway. Yeah, it is what it is today. All right, so <laughs> we got drunk and forgot to write show notes until the last week. Well, some of us started them, but some of us got drunk instead. Okay, I won't say who was who, but yeah, favorite, I think we all know who was Your who. favorite bartender was drunk. <laughs> so, oops. Okay. It's going to be great. It's going to so, be great. Authority. Um, so all of these adaptations obviously are based off of the novel by Jane Austen. If you are not familiar with Jane Austen, we're not really sure how you've managed to escape her in all of your years on this planet. So, I mean, I don't know. I guess, like, kudos, because, like, Jesus, I don't get it. But anyway, <laughs> uh, it was, like, a feat. Okay, but... So these... lots of people haven't read Jane Austen. I'm not saying they haven't read, like, about reading just, like, yeah. hearing of Jane Austen. Like, mm. you have to have at least heard of Jane Austen. Okay. Listen, I ain't trying yeah. to attack our readers, but maybe. Okay, I said what I said. We're, um... <laughs> We're encouraging you to maybe take a moment to, like, use Google um, to (laughs) research our patron saint of happy endings, because that is what she's all about. She Um, is about the happy ending. So many, so many happy endings. And not that kind. Yes, that kind. get your head out of the gutter, dear reader. No, it's definitely that kind. It's definitely that that kind. No. Well, probably that kind of happy ending, but you aren't going to get that in the book. It's very Ellis-friendly. So like not a lot. It's like it's like not as much longing as maybe I would like, but there is no sex, real sex. But it's maybe like, a kiss or a hand pressing. It's hinted at. It's hits. It's hinted at. It's, exactly. It's exactly how Ellis likes it, girls. <laughs> 
I mean, um, Mansfield Park, there's like, she has sex outside of marriage with, with Henry. We're not talking about Mansfield Park, are we? No. Okay. Most famous one is probably Shut Pride up. and Prejudice. Shut up. All right. Pride and Prejudice, and you don't get a lot of that. Well, I mean, I guess. There's Lydia and Lydia, Willoughby. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, there's like hints at that with them, but not, but it's not explicit. There's nothing explicit. It's not explicit. I mean, it's, it's all... not like Fanny Hill explicit, but. No, but thank the <laughs> Lord above. Dear Goddess, praise be. Um, <laughs> there is no Fanny Hill in this book. Um, but it is good, and it. It's like, you know, uh, should we, I don't know. Cause like I was saying like, will they, won't they? But I made my um, partner watch this with me the other night, one of them. <laughs> and he was like, this isn't even will they, won't they? This is just shut the fuck up long enough to, to like, figure out what's happening. You're, you're ruining it for your own self. Yes. <laughs> I mean, so basically the whole story of Emma is like, stop ruining it. Stop. Um, just shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> can you just make out no. instead like just stop talking to make out yes stop ruining it story. do fun stuff instead <laughs> yes okay so anyway it's great you should read it you should look up jane austen she's a bad bitch and i will say mm. that as a uh as a new woman scholar she is the like original uh not new woman, but like close enough. But she started it. She kicked it off for us. We love sure, her. Sure. We love her. <laughs> um, okay, so uh Clueless was released in nineteen ninety-five and it was written and directed by Amy Heckerling. Um, she's also the person who directed Fast Times at Ridgemont High and National Lampoon's European Va- Vacation. Say words. Okay. European Vacation. Uh she's Great with comedy, and Clueless just further proves that. Um, We'd probably be friends. We'd probably be friends. We would legit be friends. Like, we've watched interviews with her, and, like, let me tell you. She could be a guest on the podcast. If there's a reason we should not be friends, like, please tell us now, because we're about to be super invested. Oh, yeah, we're so invested. Oh, my God. I hope she's not a shit person. Um, I don't I don't think so, but I hope not. Listen, she did really fucking great movies, and she's funny, and, like, the things that she said about why she created Clueless the way she did it are kind of genius, and I love that. So I hope she's not a shit person. Um, it, until we know otherwise, we're going to stay on her. Also, if, you know, she's not a shit person, as we believe she's not, uh, if she wants to be a guest or, like, sponsor our show... Welcome. Oh, yeah, we should talk about <laughs> Clueless. We should do, like, an entire episode. Okay. Oh, my God, we could. Little for real. Okay. Uh, Emma, the one starring Gwyneth Paltrow, was released in 1996, just a year later. It was directed by, if you can't do math. <laughs> <laughs> they probably forgot because we're kind of distracting where we Oh, Oh, sorry. Yeah, so 95 was Clueless, 96, one year later for those English majors, uh, <laughs> was... was was the Emma with Gwyneth Paltrow. It was directed by Douglas McGrath, a dude that got himself the fuck out of Midland, Texas. If you don't know anything about Midland, Texas, it's kind of like Hadley, Massachusetts, or Berryville, Virginia, or Nixon, Missouri, or basically any city large enough to, like, be known by the people who actually live there, but it's small enough that, like, nobody else outside of the state actually knows where the fuck it is anyway so doug was nominated for this and we can see why 
So in case you're not up on your movie trends, uh, Shakespeare in Love was two years later in 1998, and it also starred Gwyneth Paltrow. So there's a clear public wanting for old romances that are not quite believable, and Douglas McGrath figured that shit out and made that happen. Okay. And you know what? He got his coin, and we're happy for him. Shakespeare in Love won Best Picture for that year. Um, also, more importantly, Shakespeare in Love gave Judy Dench, Dame motherfucking Judy Dench, oh, an God, Oscar. I and know. you know how long? Do you know approximately how long that bitch was in the movie as Queen Elizabeth? Five minutes and yeah. like forty-six seconds or some shit, and she got. A I mean, I'm not Oscar. saying that Shakespeare in Love wasn't great, and I'm not saying that Dame Judy have- Dench wasn't great, but. Like my, of all my the movies, wedding guest book, which is not a real guest book, it's like a thing on my wall that's like an art installation my bridesmaid's mom made me, uh, has a quote from Shakespeare in Love. I like, know, I know, everybody's legit. obsessed with it. I know it's so fucking good, and I don't care if that's like, like whatever. All y'all people being like, oh, no, it's too mainstream. I'm into it. You do it. You I'm do into you. It. I love it. Doug McGrath did <laughs> on that shit I two years early. <laughs> That's a line from the movie. <laughs> McGrath got in on that shit two years early. All right. Yes. Go. What Doug about McGrath. the third movie? Okay. So glad you asked, Brit. The 2020 <laughs> Emma was directed by Autumn DeWild. So before Emma, she did like a fuck ton of portraits that were really cool, and you should definitely check them out online. Um, so we're not art critics, obs. Because we're English majors. We can pretend. We can pretend like we're our critics. We, listen, we <laughs> fake everything until we make it. Um, that's how we do life, really. Sure, yeah. So that's, yeah, <laughs> literature, yeah. So although we are not art critics, we do think that the portraits are really cool and that you should check them out. And um, basically, Emma's our first film. But we're, like, down to go see, like, anything else that she wants I mean, to do. I mean, based on this. really enjoyed this. Like, if, yeah. yeah if, like, all I was, we have to, like, we have nothing else to go on, right? Yeah. Except this one thing. And we're down. Like, we're in. We'll do it. It was cool we'll as shit. We'll fucking pour like, us a cocktail. Mm-hmm. We'll sneak in our to-go cup of vodka. And we will enjoy the fuck out of anything she does. I mean, I'll even go to, like, an AMC if they're still in business. And buy myself a beer and go watch Emma. Like, Oh my god, do you remember movie theaters? Yes. What even are those? Are we going to have to explain this to our children someday? (laughs) I mean, it looks like maybe. (laughs) It looks like maybe. Wait, we promised them escapism. Escapism. Let's give them escapism. Let's do it. Can you give us the Get Lit Review? Get Lit Review. We're going to pretend like we have some knowledge of the actual plot line. Um, (laughs) We do. We do. We've read Emma. We did read the fucking book. But we're not talking about the book now. We're just strictly films. Um, yeah. However, quick primer on the actual story that all these movies are trying to get to. So, yes. um, Emma was published in 1815 by Jane Austen. It was, excuse me, written by Jane Austen. If you want more publisher info, you're going to have to go find that for yourself. Um, the book it's called Google, bitch. Learn to do it. I mean, or like <laughs> Echo or like something else. Um, Uh, The book follows 21-year-old Emma Woodhouse. She's described in the first line of the novel as handsome, clever, and rich. Um, She's a young lady who fancies herself a talented matchmaker for her friends. This, In fact, the story opens with her marrying off her own governess to a nice older man in the community. Uh, Sadly, Emma... Which her dad is not happy about. Yeah, no, no, he doesn't like it. He doesn't like it. 
uh, Emma, even though Emma is like 21, she doesn't even need a governess. Anyway, Emma is always just, just like a little bit off when it comes to creating love connections and her privilege. She's definitely privileged upbringing leads to several moments of growth and maturity, um, for her and her understanding of the world around her. While there are certainly some uncomfortable growing pains for the heroine, Emma, um, on the whole, it ha- it's full of wit and humor and happy endings. It's very on brand for Austin. All the good characters get yeah. rewarded. All the questionable characters get punished. If you're not familiar with Emma, <laughs> I mean, we were going to say you should like pause it and read it right now, but to be- it's kind of, it's kind of long. So, um, <laughs> so like, just stop and watch a movie. Sure. Yeah. Just stop and <laughs> We've watch. We've given you three. Yeah. We've watch given you three, three ideas. Three movies and then come back. Um, I'm guessing. Well, and I will say the one we didn't talk about, the one we didn't talk about, you have another option is the one starring Kate Beckinsale, which also came out the same year as the Gwyneth Paltrow yeah. version. We, and we, we're not talking I about know. that one. And we also haven't watched that one. So, like, maybe you could watch that one. We're just saying we're giving you options. I think we're going to do, like, a Kate Beckinsale episode. I think we're just talking about all yeah. Kate Beckinsale? All Kate Beckinsale. I'm done. Listen, Kate Be- Beckinsale is hot AF and funny but and I, smart. She did an and Emma. Beautiful. And then she, she did an Emma. <laughs> She also did a couple mm-hmm. of Shakespeare's, a couple, a few, several. And then she also did. did... She? No, she did. She did Much Ado, yeah. right? Okay. Which yeah. is the best. Right. She's here yeah. on Much Ado. It's... I don't know what else she did. Fuck, Much know. Ado is very fun. Much Ado About Nothing, the play by William mm-hmm. Shakespeare, is a very fun yeah. play. Um, and then she also did Love and Friendship, which is a mm-hmm. movie not based on the writing Love and Friendship. It's based on the writing... Uh, that we now know as Lady Susan, which is a short novella, yes. and it's super fun because it's Austin's only. I'm going to say that venturing out on a limb there because I hate the word only as an academic. It's her <laughs> only uh, writing novella novel where the heroine is an absolute bitch. Um, oh, but I, I love know. her and, so yeah, much. Kate Beckinsale plays <laughs> the bitch. And so it's well. so good. It's so, so good. Well. We're gonna. I think we're gonna so have to have a whole Kate Beckinsale episode. So, I'm down. And also, like in the meantime, just like follow yeah. her on social media because she's a motherfucking yeah. delight. Kate Beckinsale's really fun. Um, <laughs> she stands for all the good things, and also she'll give you a little escapism and how funny she is. And like, I don't know, she's doing all the things right, and we love yeah, her. We're definitely gonna have to. Yeah. Okay. That's so Chris. Okay. We're gonna have right. to have Kate up. Then. Um, we 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 stand yeah, Kate Beckinsale. Um, <laughs> if you want to listen to the book, I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes sometimes it helps to listen to it. Um, mm-hmm. Our favorite. Okay, it's great for commute. We. Great I'm just commute. gonna say this now. We listen to enough audiobooks okay. that we have a favorite. Tis true. Reader. Oh, um, so her name true. is Elizabeth Klett. I think we've mentioned her in oh. some of the other episodes. Um, we aren't sure if it got cut in not, all of the other sure. episodes but um, like basically in all of the other episodes we mentioned. yeah so <laughs> there is a version Emma is read on LibriVox which is the free audiobook app um, and website mm-hmm. by Elizabeth Klett and she is a delightful reader and we would highly recommend her read version of Jane Austen's Emma she's 
absolutely amazing. Um, if you haven't, if you're not familiar with LibriVox, you can get it on Android or your iPhone. And uh, it there's a lot of times there are like for like you know big name books. There are several different versions. Mm-hmm. So we suggest always, always, always checking who the reader is. And if you can find Elizabeth Clark, pick <laughs> that version. We promise it's the best. You don't need to go through all the other versions to figure out what we will tell you for free, which is that, I mean, I guess that's free too, but fuck that. <laughs> we will tell you, save your time, free time. Elizabeth Clark version is the best. The bitch can do it. I know. She's smart. She's a professor. Honestly, though, she knows what she's fucking talking about. She's do you mean. think? I bet if she listens to this, she's gonna think we're kind of creepy. Are we creepy? Oh, did I fan? I don't know. I, I don't know. Hard? Are we? I probably fangirl too. Did we fangirl? I think we fangirl too Maybe. hard. Sorry, dear Elizabeth. Dear Elizabeth, we don't like you that much. We're <laughs> we're drunk, but we're not creeps. <laughs> we'll, we'll walk it back if you want. It's fine. Please be our friend. <laughs> We're not as weird as we sound. We've just had too much to drink. I mean, true. Also, can we pause? Okay, so we're done with this section. Yeah. We're getting ready to move mm-hmm. into our next section. But before we do that, should we tell the readers what we're drinking? Yeah, we're drinking whatever the fuck we had in our in our homes. Yes, there is no totally made up cocktail this week because we couldn't be bothered. No. We were inspired without Chris. Without Chris, we couldn't yeah. be bothered. So. We decided to do whatever we could do, and um, I, Ellis, still had tons of brandy left over um, because, <laughs> because I still had brandy from the last from the last 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 time, and then Bryn was kind enough to bring me more Absolutely. brandy whenever we were going to record this past Fuck episode. Yeah. And also, I'm trying to like stop drinking during the week. It's a fucking challenge, but oh my gosh. <laughs> so. So I let it sit. So I had all this brandy. So I'm drinking brandy and diet ginger ale with a splash of lime because I basically just replaced my normal Jameson with brandy (laughs) (laughs) and called it a drink. Uh, Bryn, what are you, what have you been drinking? Because you've had a couple things tonight. Um, I started with a um, white wine that was Mm -hmm. um, made, bottled in my state. Yes. And that was actually pretty good. Yes. Except I can't drink very much white wine because I'm not a bitch. So. Uh... <laughs> okay. My. I knew you would be. I feel okay. personally wait, wait. victimized by that To statement. our listeners, I only said that specifically because it would get a rise out of Ellis. I don't actually mean that in real life. Um, I only wanted to see it. Listen, I like a dry white. I'm not drinking fucking Moscato <laughs> out here, but I do. But I, like, do prefer, if it's not a Valpicello, I prefer sure. white. Sure. Okay. Um, and then I, I can actually <laughs> only have, like, a glass or two of white, and then, and then things don't go well. So I switched to red, and now I'm drinking some sort of <laughs> generic red blend that's actually pretty good. I tried in the middle there. I tried a mm-hmm. red wine that was also made in the state in which we live, and it was um, shit on toast. Well, I was going to say, so if you don't say where, if you don't say where, if you don't say it was made in our state, then you could say what it is and warn the people not to have it. No, I, no, because it's too specific. It would definitely give it away. Um, but it it was terrible, like like terrible. 
awful. Um, don't drink it. Um, but I mean, I'm not gonna let wine go to waste, so like, I drank it. But <laughs> <laughs> so you fucking champ, because that's what we do. We don't quit. Yeah, I mean, I took one for the team here. Um, my partner only had like one glass of it last night, but I had the rest. <laughs> I was gonna say you have another human who yeah. can drink wine in your no. house. Why didn't you dump it no, on him? No, fuck that. <laughs> He was like, no. he had like one glass and then told me he was out. And I can't let, I can't let mediocre wine go to waste. So I, any wine. Or yeah. any wine. So I drank it. it. Anyway. You're the, and then I switched the to the just so you know. regular, like pretty okay red blend stuff. And here we are. So, um, since we can hear Good Ellis times. making her drink, I'm going to take a drink now. No, it's oh, fine. Sorry. I'm gonna pound the last of my red wine here. We're gonna go get more. Have you met Can us? you take us into <laughs> pros and cons while I go get more? Sure. Okay. It's a so brand pros new segment. Pros and cons is our. It's a brand new segment. It's it's a one off. It's a one off. We're not gonna lie. So basically, we're doing pros and cons because of the unique style of this episode. Uh, we're going to tell you the pros and cons of each different version. The Emma, we're going to call it the Gwyneth version, right? Because Gwyneth Paltrow. So the 1996 Gwyneth Paltrow version of Emma. Then we've got the uh, 1995 Clueless. So we're just going to call that Clueless. And we got like 2020 Emma, which is the newest one. So we're basically going to tell you you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly of each thing. Nothing's really ugly in any of them, except maybe questionably clueless, but Bryn's oh, wrong, come on. so clearly not. Um, so we'll get, we'll get it, we'll get into that. Uh, so let's start with, let's start with the 1990, uh, 1996 Emma, the Gwyneth version. What are the um, pros boobs. for you? <laughs> <laughs> Look. They lean real heavy. I mean, they love that Empire Waistline. Yeah, and they had... Empire Waist yeah. with just, like, And they out. didn't even, just like, try out. to, like, keep them in check. They just, like, elevate... My my no. mother used to call it um, putting them on a, <laughs> on a plate. Like you... <laughs> they did. They did. Okay, so I was going to say this. Like, so I was thinking of this earlier... There, so I that's the version I watched with my partner the other night and uh, there was a scene where she gets stuck in the river and it's yes. like she goes to lean she goes to lean over to see like what her like what's happened with the wheel of her carriage right because she's like stuck or whatever and it's legit like you don't see yeah. it but you yeah they're just like it. out like, it's just straight up yeah. And it's like zo- zoomed titties in your face. That's zoomed not even like, that scene doesn't even happen so, in the book. That is no. It's, it does not, and it also does not no, happen in. It's any only other there. It's only there, so you can see um, one Frank. Yeah, Frank like being like, gallant, Gwyneth- and two the boobs. So yeah, it was basically because they were like, um, "Here's some sure, gratuitous yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow." What would you? Boobs. What would you say <laughs> those are? Yeah. Um. Besides boobs, um, um. Okay. So I would say I think that the actors are all really great. Um. Tony oh Collette yes. as yes. Um, Harriet is she's perfect. Fucking she's genius. Perfect. And honestly, that's like 
honestly how I sold my partner on watching it because we love Tony Collette, which like I'm a little shocked that that was no. the thing. Tony Collette is <laughs> perfect. Like, it was in the this thing. movie. Like Tony, uh, uh, to be fair, have you ever seen anything no. Tony Collette? No, I haven't. Perfect. No. I don't know. No. She's perfect. And I love her so hard. And all I want to do is be her best friend. And like, yes. like in this movie, I just like, I'm like, this is when you get like why Emma is so drawn to her and like wants to like take her under. Like, it's literally like yeah. whoever you are, you're going to be like, oh my God, I love, I love Harriet. I want to be Harriet's friend. I want to see I mean, yeah. I this podcast Harriet. is like, not sponsored by Tony Collette. Role. But if Tony Collette wanted to sponsor oh, no. us we wouldn't turn it down or just be yeah. a guest but we, we also wouldn't turn so down her free. boobs and or her hair in that situation mm. my partner hated her hair i was like that's a really bad it's way not, to know he gets away <laughs> and then and then he goes and then he goes tony collette definitely got like she just like she's like yes gets better with age yes I was like i get what you're saying she does <laughs> Like, I still think she is beautiful, but, like, she legit just gets, like, more and more beautiful always. But she has always been so talented. Like, this movie, I was, it like, it. I've seen Meryl at the wedding, and I loved it, which was, like, kind of her biggest claim to fame early on. Mm-hmm. No. I don't know if you've seen it. Have you seen it? Oh, watch okay. it. Oh, my God. You'll die. Uh, it gives me anxiety, <laughs> but I love it. Anyway. What a recommendation. So- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everything gives me fucking anxiety. I mean, same. Like, I can't. I can't watch like the first four seasons of The Office. No, there's that one anxiety. episode of The Office <laughs> with with the laptops and the college tuition, and I I can't even. I can't. I have oh, to turn it off and skip like it. Just, I can't. Oh, just, I can't do it. Anytime, anytime you get my yeah. doing like no, that one actually, I find or, okay. Like my. The, the Michael Clump or like I just can't I just can't I just can't um it's like the first three seasons those are do. the best it's so. so much anxiety I know and my partner's always like that's so stupid like, and I'm like mm. <laughs> until you know about anxiety oh. we're not gonna talk, call anything oh. stupid <laughs> no he's good he always puts the later episodes on for me what a nice <laughs> whenever pretty much anything Tony Collette's in is like brilliant and she just it's like she just embodies the spirit of Harriet from the novel yeah. I feel like like there's just no better there's like, not a better I, Harriet there's just yeah. no better way to no like it just can't happen so I would say the the, the pros for me are sure. like Tony Collette um it leans into sort of her like matchmaking desire early on. And um, I would say like this version makes Emma as sort of sympathetic as what, what she Mm. is in the novel, right? Like she's obviously got flaws, but like she's still sympathetic. And I feel like I will say like, as much as I think Gwyneth Paltrow is like the tool of the 21st century, um, no, of the 90s, like her fucking bullshit. No, but her new shit from the 20th century, like 
21st century oh, with her geez. goop and like I, I made a candle that smells like my vagina and all that like she's a fucking I moron I get it but like like I can't wear her but I do like her portrayal like of Emma and I think that the way that the character is sort of portrayed is sort of um very yeah. true to the yeah. novel like you care about her like you you genuinely you're like I get that you messed up but like right. you genuinely care oh. and there's a scene, sorry, there's a scene where she insults Miss Bates, and that's, a, like, the I most know. heartbreaking scene ever, and of all the Emmas, like, that's the scene that I feel like, in this version, is the most She's also the uh, most impactful. convincing crier. Um, but we will get to that, we will mm-hmm. get to that. So, mm-hmm. cons, cons yes. of this Gwyneth Paltrow yes, Emma. Cons. What do you hate? I love Alan Cumming as yeah. an actor. I think he's brilliant and delightful, and I want to be friends with him. But I don't buy him. I as I that hated. Character. Yeah, there's no way everyone. I hated to be this Mr. Alden. I thought he was a fucking melt. I think he's like I. That's not what Mr. Mm-hmm. Alden was to me in the book. I I just I don't know. I just I didn't like it. I mean, I guess I've grown up with this version of Emma, so now yeah. I can kind of picture it. But I went back and reread Austin's Emma recently, and that's, that's not, not how he is. I don't know. It it just doesn't fit for me. So I didn't like that. That's my big con. No. He was he was too sort of mm-hmm. like bumbling and like there's no way Emma would be surprised based on mm-hmm. like how he's written in this version. There's no way Emma would be surprised that he was into it. Like they make it so obvious. It's like they think that their viewers are dumb or the readers of the novel are dumb. Yeah. It's like, no, like there's no way. And like also like I don't buy that people would be like fawning over yeah. him wherever he goes. Which is yeah. like kind of the point of his character is that like he kind of could mm-hmm. have his pick all but Emma groups, basically uh, as far as as right. Right, exactly. And, like, I don't buy that either. Like, it doesn't sell. Not that he's not a good actor Mm -hmm. or that he didn't do it right. Like, it's just the way it was written, I feel like, is wrong. So I'm with you on that. That's exactly Clueless. Pros. Oh, Oh, wait, 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 wait. One more pro. One more pro. One more pro. You get to hear you. I mean, yes. Anytime. Sign me up for that. Five years later, he does Melange. What a delightful human. Okay. Um... Pros mm. of Clueless. Every fucking thing about it is a pro. Oh my god. Paul yes. Rudd is hot as shit. Paul Rudd is still exactly the same as he was in 1995 I mean, and Clueless. You can't talk about Paul Rudd he in the 90s. Any... I mean, like, fuck. Damn. You can't talk Paul Rudd in any decade ever. Like, he's perfect. Ooh. Pick a decade, pick a century. Always Man. Paul Rudd. Hands down. I mean,. Like swoon worthy with his little cute smirk and his and he's all. Are you saying you care about me? Oh shit! I know, I know. (laughs) Too much. It's too much. It's too much. I can't. So the soundtrack for Clueless is amazing. Um, We are the kids of America. It's so nineties. Basically, like every. It's just like so fucking amazing nineties music. Like it's. It's amazing. Um, the fashion. Oh my god, the fashion. I'm obsessed with it. Like, I was a kid. <laughs> I was young. This was back in the day. Um, but I was alive. 
and I was just old enough, but I was like, I was like just at that age where I was like starting to think about, I mean, it's like, it, I, for me, like watching that movie, it was literally like what made me mm. start thinking about fashion. Like before that, I was sort of like whatever my mom bought for me, I wore because I was a kid. And like, that was like, that's the thing I remember of being like the first time I remember being like, I want to wear a thing like that. And I thought it was so cool. I know. And that was it. Like, clueless. And, like, the Jeep that she... Like, everything about it. I loved it. The 2020 Emma. What are the pros? So there's nothing Mm -hmm. about it that stands out that I'm, like... The big sleeves. I really enjoy the big sleeves. I will say the Elton is better. I would say... I would say that the screens are a non-living they are. character yeah. in the novel or in the in the film, a non-living character in the film because they're yeah, just so, they make that separate room. Like, so in the beginning, they're funny. There's like they're funny the screens he hasn't carried in at important moments, and so like, <laughs> and then there's the moment where yes. he's Mr. Woodhouse, played by Bill Nye in the 2020 version, <laughs> is like sequestered <laughs> away from everybody, <laughs> and then there's the. Mr. Woodhouse calls in the screens and the the movie hints that maybe he knows that there's something going on with them. Yes, yes, yes. Um, But in the book, their engagement is still secret. Their engagement, um, Mr. Knightley yes. and Emma Woodhouse. With his, yeah. The book, their yeah. engagement is still secret at this point, but the film yes. hints that her dad, Mr. Woodhouse, knows. It's a good handhold. It's a good handhold. It's a good press. <laughs> so good and you know i love me that hand pressing girl <laughs> i don't know it was good okay can yeah, i also say, like, like miranda general, hart playing miss Bates. the best pro of the 2020 emma is bill Nye. yeah unpopular opinion can i say it can i be can this be a safe space for a moment okay i fucking love her as an actress and i will say like it mm-hmm. in call the midwife hands down I just want and even in this like I still love her like right like I love her I think she's brilliant there's nothing I can pinpoint about this role that like about her playing this role that I'm like I don't like because I like it I do I just think yeah it doesn't do it doesn't have the same effect and like there are so many things about the 1996 Gwyneth version that I don't that I'm like whatever about but like this is like Mm. The scene, the most important Miss Bates scene <laughs> in the Gwyneth version, I have no heart and feeling. Like, I do not, I do not get emotional. It's not a thing I do. And I got emotional. I just think, I just think, like, like I do love her as an actress. Miranda Hart's great. Um, and I have no, yeah. I can't, like, there's nothing I can fault with her portrayal of Miss Bates. I just personally felt <laughs> more with the one in the 1996 version however i will say bill nye as the father he he's so delightfully bill nye that like like he always is bill nye in everything but like is always a different character and i'm it's so rare to find an actor that can be so like on brand him but also embody all these different characters and like never i know i know make it feel like he's typecast he's like, in he all those so many Peg different people and still be himself like, and still like so bill knight like <laughs> like everything about it and i just i fucking adore no. him cons elton's not as good yeah i like the 2020 elton better 
you think Elton is yeah. as good in the 2021 as he's he's got the big sleeves and he's got the attitude than the one in Clueless okay. oh he's definitely a con category um I like the guy who plays Frank, Frank. I just like Frank Churchill like make oh like who can top you okay. you and McGregor as Frank Churchill like honestly can I see a pro though Robert Martin mm-hmm. in the 2020 is the best. I love him because the show. sex education. Yeah. There are two sex education people in the new 2020, Emma. And I love sex education, so I'm going to promote it because my future wife, Jillian Anderson. Yeah, my future wife, Jillian Anderson, is the star. And so, obviously, I'm going to promote it, and I love those two people. I will say, however, that Mrs. Elton uh, is, <laughs> well, delightful in the 2020. Yeah, so much more hated in the nineteen. Yep, yep. <laughs> she does this like loud I know. thing where, like, while yes. she's talking, she'll be like, <laughs> "Okay, but the twenty twenty version replaces the loud breathing so, with like, the hairstyle. Uh, like, if you imagine Princess Leia, but like, oh, it's so bad. like shittier, <laughs> like a droopy princess. <laughs> <laughs> so true, though. It's so- <laughs> Yes, and it just like droops from her head, but there's like the droopy size in the bow. It's oh, so bad. I love it so, so much. Terrible. Yes, yes. Okay, so basically, what That's I think we're all what we're saying is you're gonna have pros and cons with everything. Uh, watch them all. Just watch them all. Section four is called hot takes. So do it. Do it. Uh, let's alternate do these, baby. Um, who is the best Elton? Okay. Yes. Okay. Hmm. <gasps> okay, okay, I like the 2020 hate, Elton. Because he's I the most the uh, comical creepy. Because he okay. feels the uh, most Beth real Knightley. creepy. Uh, I have to go first. I think it's actually the uh, <clears throat> Gwyneth Paltrow Knightley. No, I changed my opinion. I changed my opinion. It's Paul Rudd. It's Paul Rudd. I'm sorry. I forgot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. False. It's Paul Rudd. It's you are incorrect. Okay. The correct answer is Paul motherfucking Rudd. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I forgot about Paul Rudd. I'm sorry. If I can go suspicion. back and edit it to make me sound correct, then I will do that. Oh, so okay. then okay, you were right for a second. <laughs> okay. Second place was correct. So the second best so nightly butt. You can't. You can't. We're gonna own it. We're gonna. Own... We own yeah, our I know. No. Which ass is one. the best? Okay, but if we wait, wait, wait. Uh, but if right, you've seen but the dude in the twenty twenty Emma, it's not terrible. <laughs> the Emma adaptation, it's so. <laughs> Paul motherfucking run. <laughs> All right, fine. All right. It is a cute butt. No, oh, listen. Full credit. No, but Paul Red just has. You want to nice say they tie? Physique. I'll tie them. I'll tie them. Because we have I mean, seen Paul We Red sound like terrible people in this podcast. We're not actually terrible delightful. people. I'm very sorry. <laughs> we have been drinking quite a bit. I don't know. I don't know. Are we over? Are I don't we know what the line is. 
Eh, yeah, whatever. the the You're red wine for, for me has blurred Paul, whatever the line is. So <laughs> I'm I'm very sorry. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm very sorry to Paul Rudd. If you feel like we have aggressed upon your hindquarters, but um, here we are. <laughs> I mean, but also, I mean, it's pretty great. So bless the Lord for that one. Um, which who is the best Miss Bates? <laughs> Miss Bates, Miss Bates. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I think I would agree. Um, definitely the nineteen ninety six one Kyle version. I love, I love Miranda, but I just I know. It is pretty funny in wrong. camp, though. Like she's the, like Miss like Woodhouse in the church. The and... It's pretty funny. I know, but that 1996 version just mm-hmm. makes you, like, she's so annoying that you get why Emma's annoyed with her, and she's so heartbreaking. Oh, no. That's perfect. That, like, that one, like, All right, who's the best Frank Churchill? She's brilliant. She's amazing. I love her. I love her. Disagree. Duh, Disagree. You and McGregor. 1996. Um, the Glenn dude, the dude in Clueless. False. <laughs> Christian in Clueless, yeah. I like that they make him gay. I like that he. I like that we get to introduce like a gay character. I think it's like really, um, especially in the nineties. Yeah. Like that's. Well, and they make of, him like, a lover of aesthetics, so I, and they like, make I like him that part of um, it. But as like far super as, like, into beautiful. Well, I already said that a lover of aesthetics. They make him super into beautiful stuff, and he's from Chicago, so they add a little bit of like. Mm-hmm geographic diversity if not like ethnic diversity um and um they like increase the their yeah. like aesthetic profile in the midst of this 90s hyper focused LA characterization they have going and how, yeah like, I no I know like I love it so much and the dancing and the 90s ska music I love him I was like no no, like, no, I'm into know. it, and I think he's great. I, I just still prefer the Ewan McGregor version. Like, I, listen, listen, you have to understand I mean, sure. that I came of age on Moulin Rouge and taught me how to be a human, and so, like, I will always be, like, everything Ewan McGregor will okay, always fine. be thing. So, like, I don't even think I'm a fair person to pull on this. <laughs> also, you get to hear him sing in this version. Oh, it's got so you. Brilliant. I got I'm you, fam. Mouth and I'm like, I get it. I get it. <laughs> uh, best decor in scenes. Um, okay, best decor. Best honestly, decor. I really like the 2020 Emma. And there's that. 2020. Yeah. I know. It's so good. And, but they whoever also did that was, scene. I really like the scene where they're the outside the inn the and they house. do the staging of the dance, but they're dancing through the chairs. Like, oh, my God, it, it does not get better than that for staging mm-hmm. because they have, like, mm-hmm. a dance between the chairs and then, like, Mr. and Mrs. Weston have their moment and it's just so delightful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so, like, every interior, hands down, is the best. Like, out of all of it, hands down is the best. Um, but, like, even the way they do the exterior is just, like, it's so mm-hmm. beautiful, and it sort of leans into the English countryside, which, like, sure. I appreciate because I love, obviously, England. Sure, uh, yeah. Because I was born in the wrong place. But anyway, <laughs> like, 
Like, I appreciate that it's not shown. Like, it, they make the weather sort of match what's happening, and they do. Uh, it, it, it's always beautiful. Like, it always is, like, sort of appreciating the landscape and appreciating what's around. But then it, it does, like, these, you know, appreciates nature, mm, but then it does yeah, like, these crazy no, yeah. Shits inside, which is beautiful. And too. there's the music. So, like, we didn't add a category for best music. It's very but creative, and I love it. Maybe we so, should yes. add one. Should we add one? Okay. <gasps> oh, yeah, we definitely should add one. I don't, I don't know. Okay, wait, wait, wait. But we got to specify like what kind of music are we going for? Because like best soundtrack I that mean, I'm going to listen to in my car. Since we're at adaptations, I guess it's whichever one goes best with the movie. Or maybe we can just like broaden it and say best music of these three oh. film adaptations and then you can make that whatever you need to make it I really like the 2020 Emma okay what is your I really response? do okay can I say a thing that's not right it feels very <laughs> Irish it feels very like traditional Irish I music. yeah <laughs> so it's like very into it because, like, the way, like, the accent of the singers is very, like, it sounds Well, they have that, really, like, the, the minstrel like, music uh, in Irish there, Republic. and they have so. the, I mean, it's, it's perfect. I can't think of a better way to do Emma, honestly. I'm, I'm really into camp. I'm really into camp, and I can't think of a better way to do well, camp Emma. I will say, though, like, the 90s version is sort of perfect for like incorporating what was like very <clears throat> like what was very new at the time so it's sort of like uh like on trend and it, it they did they couldn't have known this then right like there's no way of knowing this but like the music from mm. clueless stands yeah. the test of time like it's genuinely music that like genuinely good music that you would listen to in your car now so like i appreciate okay um, alice would listen listen. to it maybe not everybody but i actually listen to most of the songs on the clueless soundtrack like i listen to in my car and like there are things that i'm like oh i love that song and then i'll click save and i'm like oh it's from clueless like I sure. love it. Like, I love sure. 90s music, though. Like, I'm hardcore 90s girl. I live for the 90s. So, like, that's, like, I, I guess, again, I guess, again, it's not a fair question to ask me because I, because I sure. live for the 90s, I'm always going to pick 90s music because it's my favorite thing in the world is 90s music. Who is the best Emma? Which version Uh-oh. is the best Emma? I like oh. the 1996 Emma with Gwyneth Paltrow because I feel like they really took the time to show a lot of the things that women could do in that one. Like they show her sewing needlepoint and they show her painting. Uh, they show her doing the riddle book and it like they, all of the hobbies and or like low key yeah. occupations, I guess that you could, that women could have at the, at the time and still be upper-class women yeah. like Emma was supposed to be. Um, they show all of they they make a point to show all of those in the ninety six Gwyneth Paltrow version. Um, I I don't like the twenty twenty Emma version as much for its like I liked it all up until the proposing scene, and then I was like, mm, y'all took camp a little too far. Um, 
But I do also like Alicia. What's her name? Alicia Silverstone. I like Alicia Silverstone. Alicia. I actually think Alicia she's a pretty good Emma um, because she's a smart matchmaker um, who maybe doesn't seem smart like on first reading, um, but has a lot of skills and ends up finding Paul Rudd. So um, both 90s versions for me beat out the 2020 <laughs> version. Uh, uh, only for Emma as a specific character. I will say for me, I'm going to say, I'm mm-hmm. going to agree and say one of Paul Trouble's Emma is my favorite. And the reason I say that is because I feel like hmm. she is the exact right amount of sympathetic. I feel like, um, in Clueless, we loved Cher mm. too much. Like, for me personally, I loved her too much and I wanted to be her. And I just like thought she was a delight. And so, like, even when she fucked up, like, I couldn't, yeah. I could never really see the flaw with her, right? Even whenever it was supposed to clearly be a flaw because I just loved her. And I don't know if that's, it, that's not even, like, a fair statement to make as far as, like, in general, because, like, obviously I was watching it, it was a really impressionable time, and I hadn't read the book yet, and I was, like, a little kid. Um, so, yeah, so, like, it was just, like, one of those things where it was, it, I, I was almost, like, too forgiving of her. And I think it's important with Emma to be able to, like, really see her flaws, because that's, like, the whole point of her character is how she grows and realizes, like, the 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 privileges she has and how that shapes her perception Mm. of reality and it also shapes her responsibility to those around her and so i think we get a lot more of that in the 1996 version because she is lovable but she's also flawed and you recognize that and you feel like angry and hurt by her even though you're a viewer so i think she's Mm -hmm. the best version but i still love Cher horowitz in clueless um, I will say I did not Which at one? all 2020? like this Emma. And I like that actress. And I think she's talented. And I think she did exactly what she was. Yes. I think she did exactly what she was asked to do. Mm. Uh, but I, she, she was I just, like absolutely my least favorite Emma ever. <laughs> like, I just didn't love her as Emma. I love so much about that. Like it's not the movie in general. Like it's just Emma specifically. She's my least favorite Emma because I didn't. I didn't I mean, like Emma for at all. Yeah. I just thought she was like a spoiled little bitch. Which, like, technically Emma is a spoiled little bitch. But like, but but to make it work, you have to care about her. You have to want her to be better. Mm. You have to see in the her land grow. of Austin. Yeah, and you, I don't feel like we really, really don't ever see the growth that you would expect that from in the twenty twenty from an Austin heroine. Yeah. No, no, no. And so that's why she's mainly. I know. I feel really bad saying that, but it looks like our favorite adaptation is Gwyneth Paltrow right now. (laughs) I mean, okay, we reserve the right to change our opinion after Mm. we watch the Kate Beckinsale version. Probably. I feel like maybe. Okay. We should tell you that we have not watched the Kate Beckinsale. We should just reiterate. have not watched the Kate Beckinsale version um and no. now that we have watched all these have things we're going it. to plan a Kate Beckinsale and Austin episode uh Chris will definitely be on board so we're gonna just make this yes. happen I don't know when because we're gonna do yeah you know what would be really fun is if we could live mm-hmm. 
uh, like we should all get together when we're allowed to be around each other again, and um, you like live and watch tweet and maybe and can, like live update our things about it and like live all like live tweet it yeah. with our with our uh, listeners. No, no, we're after like seven. Then, we're all seven. Um, all four of them. <laughs> I think we have four. Okay, so we could do that, and also if there's like a version. That we mm-hmm. haven't talked about that you feel like <laughs> okay. Obviously, Ellis have a Please, oh. <laughs> oh, please adopt, please adopt me, Canada. I want to come there. I'll live for you. Okay, so <laughs> uh, okay, Canada. Canada. Okay, so especially right now. Uh, <laughs> um, but like, if there's a version that we haven't mention that you think we should watch like let us know and we should do definitely a live tweet uh, all of us together watching it live tweeting it would be great yeah unless I you mean, know no i mean case, but maybe there's there, some yeah. other adaptation like maybe Party you really want us to watch Austin <laughs> um or i don't know what else what else we got going on whether it, weathering heights we did debate doing weathering what? heights Whatever for this want. one um or um mm, mm. what was the one other we no we weren't going to do we did debate doing weathering heights little there women was one that we were seriously like considering besides little that women up. little women yeah oh little women oh Accidentally, it was definitely on purpose. Got real drunk in a movie theater watching that all three of us yeah. together. No, yeah, yeah. We, we were double fisting, the, the not perp, once, but it was like thrice an AMC during that movie. theater in the middle of the <laughs> fucking day, and we. <laughs> I know. I know. It was the middle of that afternoon, and our drunk. We walked out. We're like, we, like, we need six beers. Like, we were just right the fuck now. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "Okay." <laughs> I will say, I will say, I saw a meme. I saw a meme online that was like, I saw this one too. Um, "You meet a girl, and she has a good job, and she's, um, she's like smart or whatever." And then you're like, it, it, "You know, she's got her shit together." And you're like, "What's wrong with this? Like, why is she I so saw- single?" And then she asks you to start getting drunk as fuck at 10 a.m. on a Wednesday, and you're like, "Oh, there it is." And I was like, "Um, false. What's actually true is that." My friends who both yes, have children yes. and I do not can only get fucked that's up. That's when we go to the movie theater. And that's when we go to the movie theater. Two beers at three different intervals. I definitely get Cause two drugs in the movie theater. <laughs> Cause us me. I know. Uh, we were cheering. We were Are cheering on Cersei so Rogan. Like, like, we were there for Joe like, and Little Women. What's the okay. thing? Listen, and the thing is, the thing that's important is we're not even we're not even all jokes. Oh. Like I'm a Joe, you're a Meg, you are okay. A Meg. I'm a I'm like and, a Hermione. No, Meg. you are a Meg. Everybody loves Meg. Why are you gonna be mad at Meg? Okay. Um. Yeah, but like a like a Hermione Meg. You a Meg girl. <laughs> you a Meg. <laughs> Okay. Oh, uh, whatever. Uh, so you're brutal. Meg, Addy. Whatever makes you feel good. You're Meg, and then there's. I, know. <laughs> I don't know about. I'm just. I didn't read Harry Potter. Remember? So you're Meg, and well, then. Yeah. 
uh, Chris is an Amy. And so, <laughs> I mean, this this Amy in the real. newest one uh, was who, outstanding. No, no outstanding. Anyway. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. Chris is only. And definitely not like, Chris and not Dunst, Amy. Elizabeth Taylor. Not that. Amy, no. Awful. She's brilliant. She's. Yeah. No. She. Okay. No. She's only. Yeah. So, new version that we went to see. There she's you go. The, so Chris is the new Amy. Uh, <laughs> you are the new Amy. And I am always the child. Okay. And All so, right. Because <laughs> fuck your shit. Anyway, I'm always. Okay. In, I'm, I'm always in trouble for being me. Anyway, so. <laughs> too much. And then we watched it, and we're still, like, we're cheering along with everybody. We're fucking all about us and Aunt March being a bitch. Like, we were into it, and, like, okay, I at like that point, it was, it was like, it's it was, like, 1230, all right. People, it was, like, the other four people in the movie theater <laughs> were not into us. Because the right. other four people who were not They who can, not they can sit down. Like we are we're ready to do some serious analysis <laughs> with six beers <laughs> in our system. Okay. Sorry, we're right. And we'd be like, do, you remember, do you remember how we found it out? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's absolutely. how I win the book. <laughs> I know. I know. But the good news is all six us. of our listeners love us so much. Oh. It's going to be great. <laughs> we should do a Little Women episode. All right. Maybe a little. If you Okay. You guys let us know on the socials. If you want us to do the Little Women episode, we can do. Um, if you want, we can do all three of us having read the book and then like maybe a couple of adaptations or we can do another episode like this. We can do two episodes. Movies, we can do a book. Different and movies, movie uh, adaptations, whatever you want. Let us know. If you want to donate to our if you I'm going to up the ante. I'm going to up the ante. If you buy us a drink on our Patreon page, we will live cheers you in our episode. If you want, if you want, we will we will name you. Oh, yeah, we'll definitely give you a shout-out. You can even pick up. <gasps> Listen, what? as Alice, the resident bartender, I'll let you pick up. Okay, drink. I don't all right, fuck. we're going to get to whatever you want. based on whatever I'm, drink I'm you I'm pissing say. myself out hard on this. <laughs> 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 whatever you want. All whatever right. you want, baby, I got you. <laughs> okay. Speaking of creepy, can you that. wrap us up? Some baby, it's so creepy. <laughs> we got to We got to stop now, yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we are done. We are too drunk to continue. Okay. So basically, there's that. Um, we do want to thank all of yeah, you. Yeah, otherwise, we just sound super weird. you drinking with us today. I <laughs> sincerely hope you were drinking with us because otherwise, this is not bearable. <laughs> so you can find us on Twitter and on Instagram at, at PHDrunkPodcast. You can also go over to our Patreon page at www.patreon slash podcast, and you can buy us a drink so that we can keep drowning our hashtag existential despair. Thanks, as always, to Anchor for helping I mean, us yeah. make this podcast, even though we suck at technology okay, and life be in nice, Be uh, nice. Well, a few of us are better than others. Oh, okay. So, uh, sure. <laughs> I was saying you sure. versus me, you're better. Shut up. You're raising, like, legit people to be good. And I'm doing nothing. I'm doing fuck all with my Netflix. Anyway. <laughs> I say Netflix to be classy. It's really bravo. Anyway. 
this next time so that we can actually finally chat about Mary Barton by Elizabeth Gaskell, which is Chris's pick, and we miss her, and we can't wait for her to be back, and we are excited about Mary Barton because we know it's going to get better after all the death. Anyway, Mo- uh, movies that's down? it for us. So, movies down? Books down? Alright, bottoms up, by the way. Movies Bottoms up, here we go. Whatever. Movies up. Bottoms up, bitches. We'll see you in two weeks. Fortnite. Oh, dear. All right, hold on. Let me turn up the anchor.